Psalm 3 and the verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. Here we have confidence in God in the night. Confidence in God in the night. It is a morning psalm. We know that because he said there in verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I awaked. So he awaked and then after that we have what follows to the end. But before that was the night before. Verses 1 through to 4. Verses 7 to 8 contain the prayer of the new day. And last week we commenced looking at the prayer during the night. Verses 1 to 3. That's the prayer the night before. The prayer in the trouble. So we suggested that Absalom's rebellion... There's going to be a battle with the forces of Absalom. There's going to be a great conflict. Absalom's forces are seeking the destruction of David. So it's a very vulnerable night for him. And he's in darkness and trouble and trial. And he's praying. And after he prays, he's able to sleep. So we have here then the prayer before the night, before he goes to sleep. And this prayer is divided into two. You see the cella at the end of verse 2. That shows us that there's a, a division in the prayer itself. It recommences again after we pause, verse 3. But thou, O Lord, we perceive here then the first part, then a pause, some reflection, and then the second part of the prayer. We saw that the first part is David's complaint. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. That's his complaint. And that's really as far as we got last week. And this, if I just remind you what we said then, here he tells the Lord basically three things about his enemies, Absalom and his, all his followers. He's first of all telling God that they're many. He emphasizes that. They're growing. They're multiplying. And then he tells the Lord about their actions. First of all, they trouble him. And then they are uprising against him. And then he tells the Lord what they say. And one thing particularly in their arrogance gets to him. It is this. There is no help for him in God. That's what they say. That's their confidence. And it's this last thing in verse 2 that particularly troubles him. There's no help for him in God. That really gets in on his mind. And there he pauses, Selah, to reflect on that. To let that sink in. And maybe even the devil's even glad that he's pausing. Maybe the devil's glad that he's thinking. And maybe the dart, because this is the devil's dart. There's no help for him in God. And the devil is hoping that old dart will work its way into his heart, into his mind, into his soul. Now, the darts of Satan have two aims, two effects. And I think that can be seen in, in this expression. There is no help for him in God. You'll notice that they're not just telling David that. They're telling all the enemy that. The devil's telling his crowd that. The devil's telling his followers that. Absalom's telling his followers that. There's no help for him in God. So one of the reasons for this dart to David is to bolster the devil's crowd. 
It strengthens the wicked. It gives them backbone to think that God is not with the believer. God has forsaken him. Therefore you can persecute him. You can take him. As it says in another psalm. And this is why the devil is saying this amongst the rebels. There's nobody to deliver him. He's weak. Don't be afraid. You can take him. So it's bolstering the devil's forces. This dart. And they believe the devil's lie. And therefore they do wickedly. And they go into battle against David. Now if they saw God at David's back. They wouldn't be so bold. To go into battle. But they're blind. Because the devil blinds them with this lie. That God is not with the Christian. That God is not with the believer. And they believe Satan. And then therefore they can easily persecute Christians. I mean if they saw God standing beside them. They wouldn't persecute us. But they don't think God is with the child of God you see. The devil tells them this lie. The devil deceives them. And they they begin to think. Oh the Christian's just a hypocrite. The Christian is just a pretender. The Christian is really one who's no different from anybody else. The Christian is one who is defenseless. There's no help for him in God. And that bolsters them up to persecute the child of God. It's not that what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. They crucified the Son of God. How could they do it? Because they believe the devil's lie. There's no help for him in God at all. He's telling lies. He doesn't have the Father with him. He's made himself the Son of God. They didn't see the Lord of glory. And so they crucified him. And if they didn't see the Lord of glory and all that his power and might, well, they're not going to see the Lord with a Christian, a poor Christian. If they crucified Jesus, they'll take all the more quickly the Christian, the follower of Jesus. So Satan blinds the persecutors with this lie. There's no help for him in God. But this lie is designed to have another effect as well. That David will hear it. That David will think about it. So this is the enemy's thrust. Not just to bolster the wicked. But to despair the child of God. To depress the Christian And as he makes the dart to go into the Christian. No help for him and God. All his people see it. And the poor Christian he gets the dart. And how is he going to receive the dart? Selah. How is David going to receive the dart? Is he going to be weakened? Is it going to drive away his faith? Has he got the shield about him? Has he got the helmet of salvation? Is this dart going to make him lose hope? No help for him in God. Is it going to make him stop praying? Is it going to make him stop reading the scriptures? Now sometimes it does have that effect on Christians. We have to say it. The darts can make some Christians despair. They haven't had the shield. They haven't used the armor. They haven't taken what God has provided. And their hearts sink. When they get arrows into their mind and heart. And they get sad and depressed. 
So there's a pause here. And David's reflecting. But verse 3 is the response. And bless God, he's not depressed. And he's not despairing. And he's not stopping praying. And he's not stopping reading his Bible. But he says with renewed faith, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. Lord, thou art with us. There's no doubt about it. This dart I'm not allowing to get into my mind. The Lord is with us. So then, this is David's confidence. The night before, before he lays his head on the pillow, this is David's confidence. This trust that he has in the Lord. And this trust in the Lord, it actually enables him to put his head on the pillow and go to sleep. Because in verse 5 he says, I laid me down and slept. That dart of Satan didn't take away my sleep. It didn't affect my peace. I laid me down and I slept. So this is David's confidence in the night, verse 3. Now I want to point out some things in the verse. First of all, I want you to notice he is telling the Lord about it. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head He's not just talking to himself. Do you see that? There's no help for him in God. And he talks to himself. There is help for me in God. And you know this and that. No he doesn't talk to himself. He doesn't tell others. Later on he tells others in verses 4 through to 6. He tells others what's going on. But not here immediately after this dark verse 3. He expresses it all to God his confidence. He is saying, Lord, I've received this dart, but I'm trusting thee. I'm having my confidence in thee. I'm looking to thee. I'm going to believe in thee. So he's telling God of his confidence. Now God knows whether we have faith or not. We don't have to tell him we have faith. The Lord knows whether we have faith or not. God sees faith. But God also delights in the confession of it. He likes to hear it out of our own lips. He likes us to speak our trust in him and tell it him. David here is confessing faith. Thou art a shield. You're my glory. You're the lifter up of my head. Now we we always are to confess our faith. We know that. Usually to man, we confess our faith, we say what we believe, and it's good to do that, we have to do that. To repeat a creed now and again is a good thing to do. I believe. The child of God shall often say, I believe. We have our creed. I believe in God the Father and in the Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that he died and crucified our dear Lord. And was buried and rose again from the dead. So it's, it's good to confess our faith in the midst of others. And tell others what we believe. 
And it's good to say it for ourselves. That we, it helps us when we say, I believe. It helps us ourselves to confess our faith. It brings us enablement whenever we can state it. But the Lord also delights in hearing it told to him. That's what I think we draw forth from this verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with it, you delight him. And what is wrong with showing it to him? Telling it to him. If he delights in faith, then tell him you have it. You believe him. You trust him. Sometimes the Lord Jesus Christ, he got a confession of faith from those that he healed. Not always. Maybe even sometimes they didn't have faith and the Lord still healed them. But he delighted to see faith and he, he endeavoured to draw it out at times. And sometimes he says, he said to the sick, Believe thou that I am able to do this. And he wanted to hear the confession. I believe you are, Lord, able to do this. I believe you're able to make me see. I believe you're able to take away my leprosy. I believe. Uh, maybe uh, some knew that they had to give this confession. And maybe they felt that their faith wasn't very strong. Such as one man on occasion concerning his child when he said, Lord, I believe. And then he had to add, help thou mine unbelief. But he realized that he had to have faith and he had to confess faith in the Lord. Even with doubts. Uh, maybe we do have doubts. Uh, but we still have to say, I believe. And if we have to add, Lord, help my unbelief, well, so be it. The Lord delights in the confession of faith to him. Lord, I'm trusting thee. Remember how Martha said, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. So we, we confess our sins to God. We must also confess our faith in him. Thou, Lord, art a shield to me. Now, maybe we don't confess our faith as much as we have to confess our sins. But especially in times of distress, a time when we're being attacked by hell, a time when the fairy darts are flying, a time when it's night and darkness, that's a time for confession of faith to the Lord. Lord, I believe. I believe the Bible. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Most High God. I believe that you are my Redeemer. So we have to tell the Lord our confidence in him to declare it. Especially in the night, in the dark time. It's a time for this kind of language. So put your trust in God and tell him so. That's what David does. That's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing about this confidence is that it is a confidence in God's nearness. You see the dart says there's no hell for him in God. As if to say God's not near him, God's not beside him, God's far away, he doesn't even see, he doesn't care. But David doesn't listen to that, he says, Thou, O Lord. And that's an emphatic pronoun. It's actually there in the, in the Hebrew text. Thou, O Lord. As if he's conscious of his presence. As if he's beside him in a conversation. Thou, you're here Lord. 
They say you're not here. They say you're, you're away from me. They say you're distant. But thou, thou art here, Lord. So he's confident of God's presence. And that's very obvious in his prayer. He talks as one who knows that God is near and beside him. And just kind of turns, Lord, did you see it? Do you see what they're saying? Do you hear what they're saying? Thou, thou, O Lord. So the rebellious said, no help, no God, no divine aid, no assistance, no divine ear to hear him, no divine eye to see him, no divine heart to love him, no divine hand and power to deliver him. And David just says, but thou, thou, O Lord, you're here. God is always near us. David is not filled with any doubts in that matter. He just knows God is there. Brethren and sisters, God is always near his people. He never leaves them. He never forsakes them. He never turns his back to them. He never leaves them alone. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The eyes of the Lord are always upon the righteous and his ears are Open to their cries. The devil is a liar. No God beside him. The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. The rebels believe that lie. The world believes that lie. The people out there, they don't believe that the Lord is with us. But we must believe it. We must believe it. We can believe it. The Lord never leaves us. So there's this awareness of his presence. And that old satanic dart doesn't affect that one bit. And then thirdly, another thing about this confidence is that there is nothing of self-confidence in it. There's nothing of confidence in the flesh here. Nothing whatsoever. No leaning on his own strength. No leaning on his own efforts he doesn't mention any human helpers he doesn't mention any human devices that he's engaging at the present time there's no talk about what he has done or what he is doing and how that he must prevail now David is doing things if you read 2 Samuel account you know that David is doing things He doesn't mention any of those things in the psalm. That's what I'm saying. He's not leaning on those things. He has Hushai, who has gone into the the council of Absalom to thwart the council of Ahithophel, that traitor, against the king. So he sent Hushai in. He's building up his forces. He's bolstering his army. He's organizing his officers. They're getting the weapons and the shields and the spears all ready. Everything's getting ready. So there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things going on here in the night. But David doesn't even mention them. He doesn't say, oh, the Lord's not with me. There's no help for me in God. You'll see tomorrow. Whenever you see what Hishai does, whenever you see the might of my warriors Whenever you see that I still have my, my old military strategy, my old military skill, the kind of skill that dealt with Goliath, whenever you see what I have, oh, it'll be a different story tomorrow. There's none of that. I've organized this, I've organized that. There's none of that. There's no confidence in the flesh here. 
Nothing whatsoever. He doesn't mention one thing. He doesn't act as one who doesn't need God's help. Oh, I have it all in order, Lord. I'm organized well. I don't even need to pray. I'm so organized. I'll sort it out. You know, if the devil doesn't get some to despair, he will get them to be self-confident. He'll get them proud and arrogant as the devil's own rebels. He'll get them to overestimate their own strength and to underestimate the strength of sin. That's what he'll do. And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing for a Christian to fall into. To overestimate his own strength. Let him who thinketh he standeth take heed. Don't overestimate your own strength. Or to underestimate Absalom. To underestimate your enemy. To underestimate the devil. Don't forget that the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about and he's more powerful than you. So don't be confident. David might have mockingly laughed at the wicked and said, it could have been a laugh of arrogance and self-confidence. Oh, we'll see tomorrow. No. It's not a laugh of arrogance. It's a laugh of faith. I cried unto the Lord in his holy hell and he heard me. I'll trust in God and I'll not lean on the arm of flesh. Although I'll keep my armor ready and I'll keep my powder dry and all the rest. It's better to trust in the Lord, the Bible says, than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And so he has his confidence in the Lord. That's what we have to do in all our trials. To look to God. Now the next thing in this trust in the Lord is that David marks three blessings in particular that he is confident that he has in God. Three things that are very important to him that he has in the Lord. And the first is that the Lord is is a shield. The God will be his shield. Lord, thou art a shield for me. That's the first thing. Now this is what David is looking looking to and trusting in. Not the shields of his soldiers. Not his own shield. But the Lord. The Lord. Now all those other shields are at hand, as I said. He never mentions them. And he'll use them when they're needed. Brothers and sisters, we have to always remember that the best of human shields is no match for sin. No match for sin. God's people need special shielding. And it's not a material and a man-made thing. The only shielding that is of any use is God, God himself. Thou art a shield for me. We need God as shield. That's how strong the devil is. That's how strong the enemy is. That's how weak we are. Only God as a shield will suffice. 
And this is what David declares that he believes he has in the Lord. Thou art a shield for me. And he says this many times. You can note the word shield in the Psalms and trace it all out. He's often referring to this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalm 28 verse 7. My heart trusted in him. And I am helped. And I'll greatly rejoice. We New Testament saints, we sometimes think these Old Testament saints were little pygmies in faith, little dwarfs, or, you know, tiny in faith, that they were merely fleshy and earthy, and, you know, they had just that ritual in the temple. What did they really know? You know, a little understanding of God, a little understanding of spiritual things. Well, here is an assurance that many Christians today don't even seem to have. Lord, thou art my shield. This is a spiritual faith that is the highest amongst believers. David, he's a spiritual giant. I mean, that is how he was able to go against Goliath, isn't it? Because of faith. This confidence in God. Who are you? You're the enemy of God. So he has conviction of of the sovereign power of God and his cure for his children. I, I think this is amazing faith. Remember the Lord came to Abram and said, after Abram had been, he hardly, Abram hardly knew what he'd done. He went against all these army forces and recovered Lot and all the goods that had been taken away by the enemy. And he come back again and and then he's sitting in his tent, kind of thinking, oh, what have I done? These boys will come back. And God came to him and says, Abram, don't fear. I'm your shield. And your exceeding great reward. Psalm 119. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. Tell the Lord this. You're my shield, Lord. I'm looking to you for my defense. So the Lord protects his people. That doesn't mean he won't let us be wounded or he won't let us be hurt. We have to be realistic here. There will be things in his plan when he, he let the shield down a wee bit. But it won't destroy us the way Satan intends it to destroy us. It'll be a hurt for our good, a hurt for our profit, a hurt for our better. If the Lord allows that to dart through. It has something to bring us of benefit. And it won't be our ruin, our destruction. This doesn't mean we won't get sick. This doesn't mean a virus won't maybe get through and hit us and we'll be sick. This doesn't mean that we won't be martyred for the faith. But it does mean that if it does befall us thus, it's all in God's plan. And we can trust that we won't die before our time. And we won't be sick outside God's will. We can believe that. We can trust that. And we certainly won't be destroyed by Satan eternally. We won't be ruined by the devil. He's our shield. So keep on trusting in the Lord. This is trust. And then second. The thing that he marks about his confidence in God. He says. My glory. Lord thou art my glory. Now, it's not easy to figure out here what David means when he says, my glory. 
Let me suggest two. First of all, glory is light. Glory is light. We read that whenever the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, we know that the glory of God was like a divine fire. Brightness. Radiance. Light. You're my glory. As if to say, you're my light, Lord. The devil is bringing darkness. Remember, it's night time. Not just physically night time, but the, the devil is engulfing him in the darkness of despair. The devil is surrounding him in the darkness of dark forces, trying to destroy him. So he's going into a very dark, dark period to his faith. There's nothing cheery to say. There's nothing cheery when he looks around the camp. But he says, Lord, you're my glory. You enlighten my darkness. You shine into my heart a ray of hope. You don't let me despair. You don't let me sink in the darkness. There's light in God. And very often David says, Thou art my light and my salvation, my deliverer. So it may be light that he's thinking about. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He'll give grace and he'll give glory. The grace of protection and the glory of God's comfort. So the Lord is his light. Thou wilt lighten my candle, Lord. You'll enlighten my darkness, Lord. You're my glory. I'm looking to you, Lord, to illuminate me in this time. And God gives us light. And that's why we have his word, because he gives it to us through his word. We're not expecting that the Lord will come into the room and it'll illuminate and be, be an illumination and a glory. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord is not able to do that. There have been things in the Christian church where maybe occasionally that has happened. You, you read about it in the Bible, the glory of the Lord shone right about them. But it's mainly through the light of the word. That we get this illumination, this glory. Thy, thy word is a light to me, Lord. Thou art my lamp, O Lord. Thou wilt lighten my darkness. Now, second possibility is honor and delight. Don't forget, David's lost much, hasn't he? He's left the city. He's, he's left his palace. He's left so many people behind. All his belongings. I'm sure he's traveling late. He's left the, the worship tabernacle behind as well. Everything. And even his crown seems to have gone. But you know something, Lord, I can't lose you. You're my glory. I count all those things lost. But you're my glory and I can't lose you. You're, you're the one I delight in. You're first, Lord. We can suffer the loss of all things and we need not sink because we still have you and we can't lose the Lord. You're my glory. I'll always have you, Lord. And that's glory for me. That's glory for me. If we have Jesus, we have everything that we need. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon the earth that I desire to say to so it may mean, mean that, that the Lord is first in David's life. Saying that to the Lord, you're first in my life, Lord. And I haven't lost you. And I never can. 
Then thirdly, has confidence that God will be the lifter up of his head. Now we know what that means. Uh, That follows on from the first two. If God is our shield and if God is our glory, there's nothing more will lift your head up than that knowledge. What more do you need? You have the Lord. So when he says, Lord, thou art the lifter up of my head, he's not talking about pride. You know, the Bible sometimes talks about lifting up the head with pride. No, but we don't. We don't walk about with our head up. You know, but we bow our head. We're humble people, I trust. And we bow our head before God and we beat our breast in the Lord's presence and we say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. But this is a lifting up of joy and of assurance. The opposite of despair and being depressed and being downcast. Oh, Lord, you're the only one that can lift my head up. You're the only one who can raise me above it all. You know, Satan wants your head dejected and hanging down. He wants you to despair. That's why that dart goes there. Get your head down. Despair, you Christian. Lord, you hold it up. You alone hold it up. So this is what he looks to the Lord for. Now shall mine head, Psalm 26, Thou shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. You're going to have your head lifted up with joy. That's what it means. Hope thou in God. You will yet praise him more and more. He'll be the lifter up of your head. So you can see here the enemy has failed to disturb David's mind. This is the first battle. The night before. In some respects, that's the main battle. Yes, next day David has to go out and do the physical battle. He has to get to sleep, first of all, get a rest, but then he has to go out and do the warfare. But there's two battles. There's always two battles with Satan. There's the night before. And there's the battle itself. Whenever Luther went to Worms, there was the Worms' appearance and the battle. But do you know he had a battle the night before? It was even more fierce. Where he had to get spend hours in prayer with God, battling. And that's what it is here with David. You see, child of God, the first battle, the major battle, the most important battle, is the battle for the mind. The battle for the mind. That's the night before. The devil wants your mind. He wants to win that. The rest is easy. We have to win the battle for the mind. And the Lord is the lifter up of our head. It's as if David here hears Christ's sermon on the mount. Where the Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's as if he heard that sermon. As if he obeyed the word of Christ. Lord, I'm trusting thee. You're my shield. You're my light. You're my glory. You're the lifter up of my head. You're the sustainer of my spirit. I laid me down and slept. 
So this, this is a kind of Christian confidence that believers ought to have in trying times. In the night time, trial. To have faith and trust. So, so don't sink, child of God, in your trials. Here's a verse to get out to pray. Pray this psalm. Don't sink under it all, child of God, but say in faith, Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Oh, may the Lord increase our faith.